You know, we're just scratching the surface of what God wants to do in this region. I hope you understand that. I hope you don't feel like, yay, we've arrived and, and uh, we're seeing the hand of God at work and this is kind of like, this is it. Uh, no, it's just beginning. How many of y'all believe that God's got a lot more in store? He's got a lot more in store. He's got more in store than any one of us can think or imagine and, and he wants to be, us to be tuned in to, to what he wants and his desires. And my prayer is that each one of us would wholeheartedly pursue the heart of God to see his, his attributes, his goodness and his grace and his greatness displayed in this region. You know, we can't control what happens around the world, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and we can see the power of the risen Savior impact our neighborhoods and our region and the expansion of his kingdom. And, and throughout the the pages of scripture, we see God tapping into different individuals' shoulders and saying, you know what, I want you to be an integral part in what I want to do in a region, in a generation. And I believe that God is still tapping shoulders. And one of the shoulders that he tapped in the, in the scriptures I'd like to look at is in 1 Kings chapter 18. As we look at the interactions between a person who was very much like us and God himself. And that person is the, the prophet Elijah. Elijah is a, probably one of the more well-known prophets. He's, um, he lived back in, uh, and he was a prophet. He was a mouthpiece basically to the nation of Israel. God had words of warning to the people of, of Israel and so he would speak through different prophets and these prophets would say, turn your hearts back towards God. And it was really an act of God's grace and his love and his mercy and his compassion. He didn't just bring judgment on people. He sent prophets and, 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 and those warning signs, warnings, warnings, warnings. And you give warnings because you care about people. The reasons there's safety uh, handles on things and there's signage is because people care about us. And God cares about people. And, and so he sent these prophets, and Elijah was one of them. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, just to give you a background, maybe you've heard the account of, of, of this victory on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was a mountain in Israel and, and there was a lot of uh, idolatry going on and, and there was this, uh, a, 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 I don't want to say a showdown, but there was this, there was this time where the, where the prophets of Baal, these false worshipers, were, came together and the prophet Elijah and, the, and Elijah called down fire from heaven and it consumed the sacrifice. And I'm not going to get into the whole story, but it was just a really powerful event. And, and it seemed like, man, the things were really starting to roll at this time. However, at this time, there was also a drought going on. It was a three-and-a-half-year drought throughout the land. And it was a very serious drought. Jesus referred to this drought in, in Luke chapter 4. He made reference to this drought. And, and yet God wanted to do something about this. You see, there's still a drought in our land, a spiritual drought. Amen? You know what I'm saying? There's people that are thirsty. There's people that are hungry for answers. There's people hungry and, and they're seeking direction. They're saying there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. And it's not dead religion. There's got to be more. And so there's this, there's this cry in the heart of people yet today. And, and these folks were crying out for rain. They wanted to see some rain. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 18, in verse 41, the prophet Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab was the king, he said, he said, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain, 
abundance of rain. He could hear rain. So as we unpack this account this morning, I'd like to just ask some questions that, that I would uh, challenge you to answer. You see, if we're to be effective in God's kingdom and the expansion of his kingdom and have an impulse in what he, needs to, what he wants to do, we have to ask ourselves, what does God want to do in us? Or more specifically, what does God want to do in me? You see, Elijah heard the sound of heavy rain. He heard something that no one else around him could hear. Now, did he have like bionic ears where he could hear rain in the, in the, in the distant land? And some of you don't even know what bionic means because you're really too young. But um, <laughs> did, he, did he hear something in, in the distance? Did he, did, he, did, he, uh, did he read the forecast? Did he check his, his phone and see this on Doppler? Nothing like that. He heard something. The Spirit of God was speaking to him. He heard the sound of heavy rain within himself by the Spirit of God. He heard something. And, and you see, it wasn't just a sprinkle, it wasn't just a little shower, it was an abundance. You see, God was about to do an awesome work in that region, but first it, it had to start with something inside of Elijah. And friends, if we are going to be part of the expanding the kingdom of God, if we're going to expect to see God do some great and mighty works in our region, it, it's going to have to start in the hearts and the lives of individuals first. It's going to have to start with you. It's going to have to start with me. And, and this, is, this is the way God has done things so many times in the, in the, in the past before Jesus ascended into heaven. He, he instructed his, his followers, those who were born again. He said, I want you to go in Jerusalem until you are empowered from on high. Because at that point, the Holy Spirit hadn't come down. On the day of Pentecost, though, they went and they were seeking the heart of God in prayer. And ten days later, it says, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon those people and they began to speak in tongues that they had never, in different languages that they had never, that they didn't understand. You see, on the outsides, their bodies looked normal. They, they looked like they always did. But on the inside, God was doing a supernatural work in their hearts and in their lives. There was something, there was something transforming taking place. A supernatural work. They were being empowered. There was an anointing that was coming upon them. And God wanted to do a mighty work. You see, initially they thought that, that they were empowered. They thought that, you know, we got this all together. We, we have this understood. But, but, but it started in prayer. And they looked back at this time and, and they could see, you know what, this is something that God had been doing. This is something that God wanted to do in them. He was preparing them. Initially they thought, you know, we're ready. We're as ready as we can be. And, and the Lord's like, no, 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 you, know, you think you're ready. But once they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, then they, they could say, okay, now we, we're fully equipped. Now we can continue to live out the life that Jesus modeled for us. And what he did, we can do. Jesus said that in John chapter 14. We're going to do greater works than what he did. That's what Jesus said. You're going to be empowered the same way. You see, friends, if God's going to involve us in a great work, that great work is always going to begin inside of us. Inside of us. As individuals. Recently, my younger brother Dave moved into an old farmhouse outside of Wisconsin Rapids, and, and there was a lot of work to be done on the inside, whether it was the floors and the walls and, and, and paint and those types of things. And, and he's kind of a go-getter, and, and he was grateful for the house, for sure, but, but that house needed work. 
And little by little, it's changing. They gutted the house. They ripped off the, the plaster and the lath. And anybody here ever gut out a house? And it's like completely dusty. And, and they rewired a bunch of stuff. And they moved some doorways. And, and, and they're doing all these things. And room by room, it's beginning to take a new look. But it doesn't just happen overnight. You see, the inside is under, uh, under a transformation process and it's all with the old and in with the new. And this is how God works in our lives. When somebody places their faith in Jesus Christ, when they, and when they understand that God is not just a theory, but that he is alive and that he, he, he came and he, and he did this demonstration of his love for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And when we place our trust in him, when somebody receives Christ, the word of God says they become a new creation. A new creation. At camp, we saw many uh, young people give their lives to Jesus Christ just two weeks ago. One of those young people, his name was Carson. He surrendered his life to Christ. And, and friends, as he was receiving Christ as his Savior, the Holy Spirit was in his front yard pounding down a little sign that says, I am a child of the living God. That's what was going on. And by the time he's done, the time he's done saying, Lord, I am yours. Make me into the person you created me to be. Not only is the Holy Spirit putting a stake and a little sign in his front yard, but he's coming in the door saying, okay, what needs to be done here? And he's rolling up his sleeves. And he comes into, this, he comes into a life and he says, okay, we need to do a transformation now in this place. And friends, when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't come and, and look at, at bad, bad wallpaper and cracks in the windows and things of this nature, he's looking at the paneling of pride that needs to go. He's coming in and, and he's looking at the deeply embedded flooring of unforgiveness that needs to be torn out. He's looking at the attic of addictions that need attention. He's looking at the stains of anger that need scrubbing. He's looking at the doors of depression that need to be replaced. He's looking at the hallway of habits and current and past hurts that need to be addressed. And what he does is he gently brings these to our attention through his word and, and through circumstances and through other people. And, and the Holy Spirit invites us to respond and, and allow him to clean up those things inside of us. It's called like a lifestyle of repentance. You know, that's what repentance is. It's, it's going through life and, and allowing revelation of God by the person of the Holy Spirit. When we receive a revelation from God and it's inconsistent with the way we think or act and, and we're confronted with this, repentance simply says, I'm going to change the way I think and I'm going to align myself up with God's Word. I'm not going to align myself up with my, my experiences or, or habits or what I've been taught. I'm going I'm to line it up with the Word of God and it's, this is a lifestyle of repentance. Are you all on the same page with me? Is that making sense to you all? This is repentance. It's an ongoing saying, Lord, show me anything in my life. Do something inside of me. You see, God always desires to do a work in us, in you. This is why the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, he who began a good work in you will complete it. We're all a work in progress. There's nobody in this building that's better than anybody else. We're all, a, we're all a work in progress. If you surrendered your life to Christ, maybe you did it a few weeks ago, maybe you did it a few decades ago, we're all on that same path. And we're saying, Lord, teach me, guide me, be patient with me. I'm glad that God was really patient with me. 
really patient. You see, Christ is in us. So I would challenge you to pray, even this upcoming week, challenge you to pray, God, what are you stirring in my spirit? What do you want to do in me? Can we do that? Can you take, are you ready to take that challenge and, and bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do? Show me. You see, if we want to be effective for God's kingdom, we need to discover not only what God wants to do in us, but what God wants to do around us. What does he want to do around us? You see, the one reason that God wants to do something in us is because he wants to do something around us to display his glory and his goodness. It says in verse 42 that Ahab, this king, he went up to eat and drink, and, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, the Mount Carmel, and then he bowed down to the ground. He begins to pray, and he put his face between his knees. Now, friends, Elijah had just witnessed a mighty act of God where, where all eyes were on him, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives. And God responds with a lightning bolt from heaven, and fire consumes this offering. It was a powerful demonstration of God. It was very impressive, but there was still a thirst in the lives of the people. But notice what Elijah didn't do. Elijah didn't write a book on how to call fire down from heaven and then go on a book tour and say, this is how you do it. Elijah didn't say, you know what? God used me in such a powerful way in front of so many people. I've arrived at the pinnacle of spiritual maturity. It's time to just kick back and relax because you can't get any better than this. He could have done that, but he didn't. Instead, he knew that he pressed in wholeheartedly and he said, God, how do, you, how do you want to do something even greater? These folks, they needed rain. Now friends, we've had, we've had a few days, we've had weeks that go by with no rain, but I don't recall ever going three and a half years without rain. That, that, that's, a, that's a long time. We can't even imagine that. But that's what was going on here. There were little children in, in Israel at that time who had never made a mud pie from the rain. They never did that. It, they, they never experienced rain. They've never tasted it. They never touched it. They never, they never felt rain. All they knew was what was dry and barren and these conditions that they were born into and they were raised in. And friends, this is a description of how scores of Christians have walked or have never walked in the supernatural. There's scores of Christians who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and yet they still live in barrenness and dryness, and they've never seen a supernatural work of God. This past week, this, this, the last seven days have just been amazing. The number of testimonies of God physically touching and healing people, just powerful. The last seven days, we probably we heard a whole bunch on Tuesday. Tuesday night, we saw many people getting healed here physically. Um, last Sunday, a week ago, uh, Tuesday, there were many accounts throughout the week. And one person in, the, in, in particular kind of is, is in my memory because she was a follower of Jesus Christ and she was at an event and she saw people getting physically healed. But in her mind, that, that's something that happened back in biblical times. And she sent me a text like the next day and she said, Bob, I saw his leg grow out with an exclamation mark. Okay, so, so somebody had back pain, and, and sometimes it's because one of the legs is too short. And so 
So many people have sat down and you, and you look at their legs and if it's a different length, you just tell that leg in the name of Jesus to come out. And this is what was taking place at a, at a family function. And she said, that leg came out. And this kind of rattled her cage because she said, I've always believed in this stuff, but I've never, I've never seen it. She was just like one of those, those little children in Israel who never experienced rain. And friends, just like, like they never experienced rain, how many around us right here in northeast Wisconsin have never tasted, they've never experienced the love of God? They've never experienced the presence of God? They've never sensed the anointing of God. They've never sensed the healing touch of God. They've never seen the power of God. They've never seen that. Just like these little kids, they, they've never, they, they were in the midst of, of, of the nation where, where God had moved so mightily in the past. They had stories, but in their minds, these things were just impossibilities. They were superstitions. You see, Elijah was aware of the severity of the situation that he found himself in the middle of. There was a desperate cry for, for help. There was a desperate cry for, from the people surrounding him. They, 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 they were stuck in a situation. And they were very powerless. You see, Elijah knew, though, what God wanted to do in that region. The question is, what does God want to do around us? What does God want to do around you? You see, each one of us are going to leave this building today and, and tomorrow is Monday and, and you're going to go this direction and someone's going to go this direction and different office environments or maybe the home life or, or whatever that is. What is God doing in that place? What does God want to do in that place? Have you ever thought about that? That you're a missionary? You know, we look at missionaries and we say, well, they go overseas. That's what missionaries do. No, missionaries are faithful. Some go overseas, but they're faithful to the, to the place that God has planted them. Are we aware of what God is doing at our schools and in our workplaces and our neighborhoods and our family get-togethers and our, and our relatives and, and the company that we work with? You see, if we had to write down on a piece of paper what God wants to do around you, what would you write? If we had to pass out a bunch of sheets of paper and I said, just take about two minutes and write down what God wants to do around you, what would we write? Would we say, you know, I never thought of that? Well, that brings up my next challenge. Would you pray this week? God, what do you want to do around me? What, do you, what are you doing around me? And where, what is it that you want to accomplish? God, teach me to see those things around me. You see, Elijah, he was seeing the world as God saw it. And not only does God want us to discover his plans within us and what he wants to do around us, but he also wants us to understand what he wants to do through us. Through us. So this third prayer that I would challenge you for this week is, God, what are you wanting to do through me? You know, there's tons of needs, but we don't, we're not called to meet all of the needs. Some people try to meet every need. It's it's a, it's a compulsion that they, they feel like it's, it's my responsibility. If there's a need, I need to fill it. And that's not the case. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? But are we willing to? Are we, are we asking, Lord, what do you want to do through me? That's a question that we need to wrestle with. You see, Elijah, he prayed for fire to fall just one time. And then he prays for rain. And it says in verse 43 that Elijah said to his servant, so he had a servant with him, he said, go now, look towards the sea. And so the servant went and he looked and he said, there is nothing. There's nothing, Elijah. And we can only speculate on how Elijah felt. I mean, he just called on fire from God 
And now he hears the sound of rain and he tells his servant to go check this out. Go look in the skies, basically, is what he's saying. And he comes back and he says, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. He did this seven times. Friends, wouldn't you love to just be able to pray and, and right away things always happen? That's not always the case. Is that the case with anybody where you pray and bam, just like that, everything always happens the way you pray? You see, how do we handle this when God puts something inside of us and someone says, there's nothing there? There's nothing there. Wait a minute, I know that God was speaking. There's nothing there. Forget it. Put it to bed. You see, friends, there's so many people who are, are so close to just giving up people who would say, I don't know why I keep praying for this person. There's nothing there. And I know some of your stories and, and you're praying for loved ones and it just seems like their hearts are so hard. It's like there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Others have said, I don't know if I can just continue praying for this relationship. There's nothing there. It's, it's, it's empty. There's nothing, there's nothing there to work with. Or people who have, who have said, you know what, I don't know if I can keep praying for this hopeless situation. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. And you see, friends, the enemy of our souls would love for us to get discouraged and say, there's nothing there. Give it up. Give it up. Just, just, just quit. Just throw in the towel. You see, Elijah didn't say, well, I guess, I guess it's just time to go home or I'm sure that God knows we need rain and someday it'll come or, or must not have been God's will. No, he, he prayed through. He was persistent. He knew he was praying according to God's will and he knew that God wanted to bring rain and he was convinced that God was going to do this through him. And so he prayed. He, he kept praying and he kept praying and he kept pressing in. You see, we don't know what's going on in the spirit realm when we pray. Sometimes we pray and it's like, God, where's the results? Where's this answer? In the book of Daniel in chapter 10, it gives us some insight into what goes on in the spirit realm. But what if we pray and God says, okay, I'm going to send a group of angels to take care of that need. Okay, so, so let's say Nick cries out in prayer and God says, okay, I heard that prayer and he sends a delegation of angels to come and meet the need that Nick prayed for. But as those angels are coming... There's spiritual opposition in the heavenly realm. And they come up against resistance. And there's this fight going on in the spirit realm. And, and here's Nick wondering why God isn't answering his prayer. And so he prays again and says, Oh God, please, you see the desires in my heart. And I know that I'm praying according to your will. And God says, Okay, the, uh, I send another delegation of angels. So now there's two troops of angels coming. And, and they come up against resistance. And there's this, there's this, there's this fight in the heavenlies. And he prays again and God says, all right, send more, send more. And there's opposition and there's this incredible battle going on in the heavenlies and, and Nick could get discouraged and say, you know what, I give up. God doesn't care. God doesn't, he doesn't care about my needs. He's incapable. It must not have been his will or blah, blah, blah. And he could have just kept going on and on. But what about when Nick prays and he says, God, I know this is your heart's desire. I know you planted this in my heart. And pretty soon there's a breakthrough. And he comes and it's like, God, where were you? And God, God responded, but he wanted to develop something within Nick to persevere, to, to press on. You see, friends, when the Spirit speaks to our hearts, don't write it off. He wants to do something of importance. Over 30 years ago, 
the Holy Spirit was directing me to go to Bible college. I wasn't sure why. I really wasn't sure why. I believe that it was Trudy praying for an amazing husband. <laughs> and so God had to come all the way to Green Bay to find one. But um, I'm just saying, again, she's living the dream. And, um, <laughs> but you know, when we pressed in and tried to keep a pulse in what God was doing, when we, like if you look at like our narrative, and it's like God directed our steps this way. He gave us some desires and some passions, and we did that. And then we did this, and then we did this, and then we did this. And, and when we're in the middle of it, it's like these are just little steps. But friend, God was preparing because he wanted to do something in us, and he wanted to do something around us, and he wanted to do something through us. You see, friends, if 35 years ago you told me or one of my family members that one day I'd be behind a pulpit on Sunday mornings, they would say, you're nuts. Right? <laughs> like, really? I know there's a God, but He's going to have to really show Himself strong. And, but I did have praying parents and praying godly godparents going through things. And people standing in the gap. You see, when God connects your heart to His, we have to believe He's leading us somewhere and it's not a dead end. We must persevere. And this is what was going on with Elijah. It says that, it says that he, he sent this servant back. You see, he was praying until he, what he was sensing in the supernatural was birthed in the natural. He sends his servant there and, and he says, go check and see if there's anything happening. And the servant says, there's nothing there. There, there, there's nothing there. Now, friends, if you can put yourself in those servants' shoes, my boss just keeps saying, go back, go back, check it out, check it out. And it's like, give it up already. It's not going to happen. Right? I mean, why do I got to keep wasting my time for what you believe? Just, just give it up and, and, and just throw in the towel. There's nothing there. You're just wasting everybody's time. You've got a false hope. You've got a dream that, that you just somehow dreamed up and it's not of God. It's not His will. It's not His plan. Remember Job's wife and his buddies? Job, just give it up. There's nothing there. Just throw in the towel. You're wasting your time. Six times Elijah got that same report. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. And friends, we, we've all been in that, that boat. We cry out to God and, and we, we study our, our Bibles. We, we read, we pray, we, we come to church faithfully, we serve the kingdom of God, we, we give generously, we, we, and yet sometimes the answer is still, nope, there's nothing. Nothing. And we, we ask the question, is it any better? And the answer is no. Are you healed yet? No. There's no healing. Has the situation changed? Yes. It's gotten worse. What do we do with that? How do we, how do we wrestle with those types of things when we crowd to God and instead of things getting better, they go the other direction? You see, friends, we need to remember when our circumstances get worse instead of better, our lives can still bring glory to God. Amen? Isn't this an example of that? Jesus, cry out. Cry out, Jesus. It, it fulfilled a purpose. God uses everything to bring Him glory. You see, our sufferings in the present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. It says in verse 44 that it came to pass on the seventh time 
that Elijah said, there is, or, or the servant said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. And, and so Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So the servant sees a small cloud. Now friends, it hasn't rained in three and a half years. You'd think he'd be dancing and shouting and saying, guess what, there's a cloud. But it's now just a small cloud. And, and friends, we need to realize as people of God, we have to learn to celebrate even the smallest indications of, of God's hand at work. Amen? Because even that small cloud can produce rain. And so the seventh time, it's like, whoa, it's coming. It's coming. And, and, and he says, go tell Ahab to get in his chariot and hurry up because otherwise the rain is going gonna, gonna to overtake him. And so Elijah sees this, this, he's told of this small cloud, and he begins to order an evacuation. Remember, it's been three and a half years. You could slap the ground and you would see dust. And he's saying, no, we've got to keep moving. You see, he recognized this small cloud as the answer to his persistent prayer and immediately stepped into action. And so again, for us to take this forward this week and, and, and bring this before God in prayer and say, God, what is the next step you want from me? What do you want me to take? What step? You see, Elijah didn't say, well, go check it out again and see if it's getting any bigger. He didn't say, see, are there any changes? Instead, he said, you better go tell Ahab to get out of here because, because the rain's on the way. And it says in verse 45, and it happened <clears throat> in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. You see, friends, God brought about this great refreshing. He brought an abundance into a land that, that was thirsty. He brought an abundance of life-giving provision to the people who hadn't seen this. And, and God made it happen because one person wouldn't give up. They wouldn't give up. And friends, if God could do that through one person, what can he do through an entire church that will do the same? And we'll say, God, you're speaking to my heart and I see what you're doing around me and I know that you want to work through me. So prepare me for each of, those, <clears throat> each of those steps. And we might say, well, Elisha was special. I mean, God needed an example of a great man of God in the Bible for us to read about. Friends, the Scriptures even hit that they address that subject. Because in James chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man just like us. He wasn't somebody up on a pedestal that says, well, he was one of God's favorites. He doesn't do that through common people like you and I. No. God says, I don't want you to ever develop that mentality that, that these were certain people who could do certain things for a certain season and that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. That's why he had James right now. He was a person just like us. He cried out for rain, and it rained. You see, as we move ahead as a church body, discovering what God wants to do in us and around us and through us, lives will be transformed by the power of God. So do we hear that? Do we, do we, do we, do we hear the sound of the abundance of God's goodness coming, just like those children in Israel who had never known what rain falling was like? There are people all around us who are who are maybe stuck in religious routines. Maybe they're, they're, they're stuck in dead religion and they're saying there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I'm thirsting for something. I, don't wanna just, I just don't want to just go through the motions of church. I don't want to go through the motions of religion and say, there, I, I checked that box for the week. And, and many have never experienced the presence of God in a, in a service or some have never openly praised or worshipped God. It's something that we all are born to do. 
that they feel stifled, like, man, there's so much that I just want to shout hallelujah, but that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be cool in this environment. And there's people who, who feel stifled in, in the spiritual realm. There's young kids who have never tasted the presence of God on their tongues. And friends, God wants to do something about that. Would you bow your heads with me, please? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise your name. Father, I thank you for each individual here today. We thank you for, for directing our steps here, whether this was planned for months or, or weeks or just this morning. Hey, let's, we're going go to go to new life. Lord, this is a message that I believe you had for each one of us that we would ask ourselves and we would ask you, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in me? Lord, we ask that you would help us to recognize anything in our lives that is an obstacle to hearing your voice. Lord, give us the willingness to live a lifestyle of repentance. You want to do a work in each one of us. We thank you for being so patient with us. We thank you for giving us ears to hear. Lord, we know that you want to do something around us. You put us strategically in, in different places, and you put us here in this generation. Lord, you put us into certain schools, into certain work environments, into families, into neighborhoods, into, into sporting events with our children, into different social events and, and, and clubs and, and groups. As salt and light, you want to accomplish something. You put us around the hurt and the needy, the empty, the thirsty. Lord, reveal to each one of us what you want to do through us. Through us. Lord, I pray for any in here who, who feel like it's been a long season of, of crying out to you. Just like Elijah, he prayed seven times. Lord, there have been some in here, I believe, who have been praying for seven months or seven years or decades for something dear to their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them to not give up. Lord, help us to realize that you want to do through so much through us by the power of your Spirit. Give us the courage to step forward in faith and to leave the results in your hands. Lord, you're not looking for results from us. You're looking for faithfulness from us, wholeheartedness. I believe the Lord is saying the wind is going to blow. And the presence of God is going to move in your drought. And God is sending the rain of heaven that will flood your soul and your drought will be broken. And Father, I pray right now for anybody who doesn't know you personally. Maybe they know a lot about Jesus and the historical facts of him going to a cross and, and raising from the dead, but it's just that. It's just information. It's 
It hasn't transformed them. And so Lord, I pray if there's anybody here who's, who doesn't know you personally, who've never tasted of your goodness, that in this moment they would say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, change me. Cleanse me. I want to walk with you. You've been knocking on the door of my heart for a long time. You've been pursuing me in your grace and in your love. You desperately want to walk with me. So I pray right now that if there's even one person in this place that has never said, Jesus, change me, that right now they would say that just in the quietness of their heart, Jesus, change me and make me into the person you created me to be. We ask these saints, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.